ahead and go to Luke chapter 2 tonight. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to just read, uh, kick this off with just one verse for you tonight. Tonight, what I want to do, I want to just, uh, I want to just share some things with you that's on my heart. I just want to kind of preach from the heart tonight. And, you know, one of the things that we all, I think we all do this sometimes is, and it gets us in trouble, but there's problems that are out there, maybe in our family, maybe it's maybe it's where you work, or maybe it's in the church, wherever. And sometimes, you know, we know the truth about things, but sometimes it's easier to just ignore it. You know, it's just easier to act like it's not there and hope that maybe it just magically goes away. You know, because we just we don't really want to deal with it. And sometimes, whenever you live in a world like that, where you're kind of living in denial of the truth that's around you. What ends up happening, sometimes somebody comes along and they just throw the truth in your face. And what usually happens when that happens, you know, we don't like that. We, you know, we re- usually respond negatively to that because, you know, they took us out of our little fantasy world that we were living in. And, you know, I want to share some things that I'm observing tonight amongst just Christians in America, amongst churches in America that's going on, and there's a reason this stuff is going on, and I think everybody knows it deep down in their hearts, and I'm going to be that one that just comes along, and I just want to knock everybody out of their fantasy world they're living in. And I don't think that we're necessarily any exception to what I'm going to be talking about, what's going on. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do what everybody else does. I talked about that this morning. I want to be an exception. I want to be different. I want to make a difference. And so... I'm just going to do that tonight. I'm just going to share some, you know, things with you, just painful truths, I guess you could say, of how things really are. But I want to kick this off with a verse, a famous verse in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And it says, She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, why would you put your child in a manger? Why would you put your baby into a trough for feet where they put the food for animals? Because there was no room for them in the end. When they're trying to find a, place, a decent place to stay, there was no room. And the truth is, they didn't realize it, but there was no room. They had no room in this inn for God. They had no room in this inn for Jesus. And you know, this morning in Sunday school, we talked about some of the similarities of what was going on in the world in Jesus' day. And some of the similarities of what's going to be going on when Jesus comes the second time. And I think one of the thing, other similarities that we didn't talk about is that just like there was no room for Jesus in the end then, there's no room for Jesus in people's lives today. And even in churches, there's no room for Jesus. Sorry, we're too busy. Sorry, we're all full up. It's amazing how many churches are very busy with activities. They're busy with their fun stuff. They're busy with programs. But literally, they don't have time for Jesus. They don't have time for the things that are important. It's kind of a part of our American culture today. We brag on how busy we are. We look at being busy as you know, a meaning that we are successful or that we have meaning in our life or something important to do. And let me tell you something. In a church, especially... You know, just because you're busy doesn't mean you're a good church. Just because you've got a lot of programs doesn't mean you're a good church. You can be so busy that you don't have time for what's really important. There's no room for Jesus Christ. And you know, one thing I'm seeing, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this, 
Because I think we're living in the last days. And the Bible warned about these type of things. But we are seeing in churches today where literally there is no room for Jesus in Christmas. They have Why? Because they've gotten so busy with other Christmas things. You know, the Santa Claus is literally taking Jesus' place, not in the world, in church. We got churches today that are having Santa Claus come to church. Literally having Santa Claus come to church. They have these big things in church where everybody can come, get your picture taken with Santa Claus. They've got these decorations up there with the chimneys and the stockings. Everything associated with Santa Claus. And then on Christmas Day, they can't, they're canceling church. Why? Too busy with Christmas stuff. They're so busy on Christmas that they don't have time for Jesus. Which is supposed to be about His birth. How does that make any sense at all? How, is, how can you justify that at all? And people too, they'll, they'll act like, well, this is Christmas. This is important. This is a big family time. And listen, I love Christmas. I love the traditions of Christmas. I even love the Santa Claus traditions of Christmas. I enjoy those things very much. But do you understand that the traditions of Christmas that are keeping people out of church are not Jesus' traditions. They're Santa Claus' traditions. They are Santa Claus' traditions. Well, we can't have church on Sunday morning because that's when the kids get up and open up all their presents that Santa Claus left them the night before. And we can't take that away from our kids. We can't take away that tradition. Christmas is a family time. Christmas is a time, you know, where we, you know, have, we all come together as a family and we do our Christmas things. It, we don't even realize we have the, the word Christ is in Christmas. And all those things, while I don't think there's anything wrong with them, they have nothing to do with Christ. Absolutely nothing to do with Christ. If you can do them, if you do those things, wonderful. It's a lot of fun. But, I'm telling you, it blows my mind that preachers are bad guys that are having a normal schedule on Christmas. And people look like, you are taking away from Christmas by having church on Christmas and acting like their Christmas things that they're doing is more holy, more sacred, and these are Santa Claus traditions. Santa Claus, and you realize too, most of your Santa Claus traditions were started by groups like Montgomery Wards and by, you know, marketers. People who wanted to sell you stuff and get your money. That's what it was started by. And I, we do some of that too. But like I said this morning, you know what? Santa Claus came, he had to come a day early to our house. You know why? Because I refuse to put the things of God, schedule the things of God around Santa Claus. You know what? Santa Claus has to schedule himself around the things of God for me. That's the way, that's the way, it, that's the way it is. I, I do not care. And the fact that... and I, Listen, families in churches have always you know, had problems with that. They've always kind of rebelled against... You know, they've doing their things. And you know what? That's fine. You know, preachers are used to that. I've seen that my whole life. But when pastors are just accommodating them like they are, Today, it's sending a message to me that we don't have room for Jesus. I mean, a lot of these churches now, the trendy churches especially, you know, canceling most of their Sunday services, and then now, you know, we got double trouble because well, we got New Year's. You know, New Year's is next week, New Year's Day. Well, what what are we going to do? Because we're all supposed to be up till midnight 
on New Year's Eve, we're all supposed to wear funny hats and be blowing those you know, noisemakers and you know throwing confetti around. We all have to do that. That's tradition. That's what we do as Americans. And you know, we can't expect people to get up early the next morning and go to Sunday school and then go to church and then be up late in the evening going to church again when they got to go to work again the next day. I mean, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have to cancel some more services next week too. Oh, and then a little over a month later, we got Super Bowl coming up. And these churches too, churches are canceling Sunday night services for Super Bowl. I mean, I don't even know how you try to justify that. I mean, you know, I understand, you know, I see how they're trying to do it with Christmas. You know, this is Christmas. About go home and celebrate Savior's birth, your family. You know, that's what we all do. And you know, that's not what everybody does. But you know, that, that they at least try to spin it that way. It, they're at least kind of tricky about that. But Super Bowl? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, I, we're never going to schedule our services here around Super Bowl. Never. You know, and a lot of them they do the compromise where they do the lunch and then they have the earlier service. But one, that's scheduling your service around football. And I'm sorry, you know, I enjoy sports, but you know what? You know, the night the Cubs played Game 7 of the World Series is on a Wednesday night. And you know what? We had to miss the first part of the game. You know what? Even the once-in-a-century event, like the Cubs winning the World Series, I'm not scheduling church around that. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. You know what? Because Jesus Christ is supposed to be first. Jesus Christ, throughout the Bible, we're not going to go into all the Scriptures on it, but throughout the Bible, we see how there was this principle of whatever we were supposed to give to God, He always got the first part. When it came to the tithe, God always got the first tenth. Not the last tenth. Not what was left over. The first tenth. It always went, it always went to God. Whenever we've paid our tithe, we have always done it off the gross. Not after what the government takes. I'm not giving the government the first part of what I earn. They don't, they don't get it. Okay? And I don't give the government anything. The government just takes. Okay? But you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not, I don't worry about that. The first part goes to God. We see in the, in the New Testament when the church was started that the, you know, the church, they met together on the Lord's Day, on the first day of the week. And I, I think the first day of the week, priority is the house of God. The things of God. Let Him have the first day of the week. Well, I don't see in the Bible where you know, it says we have to do that. I don't remember any commands in the New Testament where we get stoned if we don't keep the first day of the week. No, it's not there. You won't see that. We are under grace. But that doesn't mean we throw everything out. That doesn't mean we don't give God the first part of things. It just means if you do it now, you're doing it because you want to. If you give God the first part of your of your money, of, of your time, whatever it is, you're doing it because you want to. That's what really pleases God. And if you don't do it, God's not going to kill you, but you're not going to please God. And we've got to get back to this, you know, of putting God first and everything. About you know, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it still applies. That's in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. We see in the Bible that you know God comes first, even above family. Whoso loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. God doesn't want you to neglect your family. God doesn't want you to hate your family. But you know what? God comes first. The things of God come first. And we've got to get back to that. We're getting away from it. And once again, 
You know, I've been in ministry all my life. I live, I grew up in a pastor's home, and it has always been the case where there's people in the church that don't care for that. You know, they want to do their thing that God is not first in their life. I'm fine. I'm used to that. That's why Paul told Timothy, you have to earnestly contend for the faith. Okay, who are you contending against? Well, people that are just kind of carnal sometimes in the church. That's part of it. But when the pastors are leading this, we're in a bad position. This is this is sad, and I for one am just completely against it. We see that you know you know today, you know things they're not much different. You know people they don't seem to have time for Jesus. Just like the place was too busy for Jesus back then, you know they don't have time for the things of God. And I personally, I've, I've talked about this before. I believe that innkeeper, he missed out. Okay, I have visited the place where they believe that Jesus was born. I've, I've, I've been there. I've went there. People go and they visit that place. Nobody visits the inn. Nobody knows where the inn is. You know why? Nobody cares. Nobody took the time to ever figure out where that was probably at and mark that location. Back in, I believe it was the 4th century, uh, there was some that went in different places there in Israel and they marked the locations where it was taught that different things happened with Jesus. And they marked the place where they believed Jesus was born. Nobody marked where the inn was. Because nobody cared. Truth is, if that innkeeper would have been paying attention and he would have let Jesus stay there, people would still be visiting that place today. His inn would probably still be in business today. I know it would be all built up new and everything, but you know what? I'd stay at the hotel that Jesus was born at. I'd love to tell people I stayed there. I would have liked sending back a postcard of that inn on there showing everybody that, hey, look where I just spent the night last night, the same place where Jesus was born. I absolutely would have done that. He missed out. And you know what? When you get too busy for the things of God, you are the one who misses out. You miss out. When you're too busy, when you are not giving of your time, when you are not giving of your finances to God, you are the one that's missing out. I mean, do you really think for one second that a God who lives in heaven where there's streets of gold gives a rip about your hundred bucks? That's for you to be giving. That's for your benefit. He doesn't need it. It doesn't matter to Him. He owns everything. He owns this entire universe. When He commands these things of you, it's for your benefit. When you come here to worship Him, when you come here and you assemble with the believers and you sing, are you doing that for, is that really for Him or is that for your benefit? Do you really think He cares to hear your singing that much? He has angels singing around Him that never miss a note, that are never off key. He's got the heavenly choirs around Him and the heavenly instruments singing His praises. You coming here and worshiping Him and singing His praises, that's for your benefit. Not for His benefit. That's for You miss out when you don't do those things. People who don't go to church, they're missing out. And you know what? Maybe I hate to be judgmental, I hate to be critical, but I'm just going to tell you the truth here. People who hold back on God, people who hold back financially, people who hold back their time, and are and even just hold back spiritually and are not giving their all, not only are they missing out, you can tell they're missing out. It's all over their face. It's apparent in their life that they are the ones who are missing out on the benefits of serving God. And you know we've seen this forever. But now, even the pastors are literally holding their people back. Encourage them. Yeah, you know, this is no big deal. Super Bowl is more important. 
Your Santa Claus traditions are more important. And you know what? I'm telling you, maybe this has already happened. I, you know, the acceptance of Santa Claus literally into the church that I have seen this year was so widely accepted and so unchallenged that I predict... <laughs> I'm not saying i got a word of prophecy here from God. This is my opinion. I think we're going to see Easter bunnies all over the place in churches this year. Come and get your picture taken with the Easter bunny. Most people today too... You know, a lot, most people, I think, understand that Christmas is about the birth of Christ because they've seen nativity scenes all over the place. But a lot of people have no idea that Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Most religious people do, but the world doesn't know. They think it's about the Easter bunny. And you know what? He'll be in a lot of these churches. Pastor Trendy is going to have him, have him in you know, much less controversial than Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ, he's offensive. We talked about that a while back. Easter Bunny, not offensive, you know, and so uh, he, he he's coming. Just watch in you know a trendy church near you. You'll see Easter bunnies, I believe, uh, here real soon. It's coming, but we see in the Bible that you know church, the house of God, it is for your benefit. Look at Hebrews chapter ten and verse twenty-three. Hebrews chapter ten and verse twenty-three. You see what's happened is you know. Most preachers today are just wimps. I mean, they're just you know they're they're absolute wimps. You know, Pastor Trendy. I mean, I can't tell the difference between a millennial and a homo these days. I really, I I just can't tell the difference anymore. They have so much in common. You know, we'll see them out and about in public, and you know, we're like, is that what I think it is, or is that just a millennial? You know, you can't you can't really tell. And either way, you know, I just I try to keep my distance. And but they're they're just so weak. They're so wimpy. They're they're so scared of their people. That they're they're literally just caving into pressure, and you know what? Carnal people that are not right with God, they're not going to get much out of church. Okay, it's 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 not going to happen. But you know what? That's their fault. Okay, they need to get right with God, and we, they're going to think church is no big deal. They're going to think Super Bowl is more important because they want to have a good testimony with their family. And what's all my family going to think if I miss out on our tradition of the Super Bowl because I'm going to church? That's just going to make them hate church. They already hate church. <laughs> you know, they already don't go to church. You skipping church for them is not going to make them want to go to church even more. It's just going to make them feel a little bit better. It's going to make them feel a little less convicted when you're not doing it either. You know, the, I know all the excuses, folks. I, I should start keeping track and I should start writing them in a book. And I'm going to, when I before I go, I'm going to release this book of excuses. For not going to church, and it's going to be a big book. It's going to be huge. And but Hebrews ten twenty three says, "Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised." Okay, hold fast on your profession of faith. Why do we need to do that? Because there's going to be a tendency to want to let go of it. Why? Because somebody's pulling on it. Somebody's wanting to get you out of the faith. Okay, The devil does not want you staying faithful. He doesn't want you doing the right thing. He wants you doing what the rest of the world does. And so the Bible says, all right, well, help us hold fast. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. How do we do that? And not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I said just today, found out about another church in town getting ready to close their doors. Why is the church getting ready to close their doors? Because nobody's coming. That's pretty discouraging. 
You know, pastors are are resigning. Why? Nobody's coming. Nobody, and, it's, and even then, a lot of these guys are still faithful. Even if there's only a few people, they're still getting up and they're preaching every week. But you know, there's another problem too. People, they, you know, they want to meet in church buildings. They want to meet in nice church buildings. They want the buildings to be heated in the winter and air conditioned in the summer. And they want the lights to be good. And they want, they want nice things in the church, but they don't want to give. And these churches can't pay their bills. And you know, the sad thing. Okay, a lot of churches that are out there, I'm not like I'm not like this. It's like they're almost cheering for other churches to shut down. Because that usually means, well, some of these people are going to come over and visit our church. But do you realize every time a church shuts down, less people total go to church. If another one of the Baptist churches in, in town here splits or if it shuts down, we might get some of them and increase our numbers, but you realize that not all of those people are going to come here and not all of those people are going to keep coming to church. Period. Some of them will quit completely and less people will be going to church. We don't need less churches. We need more churches. And a lot of them are shutting down. Why? Because they're discouraged. The people in the church, you know, they're, they're not good Christians. You know why? Because they're discouraged. They're not, you know, they're not encouraged. It's no fun going to church by yourself. And I don't know if you realize this, it's not church by yourself. Everybody ought to have devotions. Everybody ought to fellowship with God. Everybody ought to do that. You know, but at the same time, that's not church. You know, when, you know, when we have, if we, when, you know, yesterday, before Christmas, you know, we did the Christmas story, you know, we read the story and all that, but you know, that wasn't church. That was just our family. You know, having devotions. That, you know, when you're at home reading your Bible, those are wonderful things. Those are absolutely necessary for you to be a good Christian. Those things are absolutely necessary for you to have a walk with God. Personal devotions, I could preach a whole other message on it. It is so important. A lot of people go to church and they don't have personal devotions. You'll be a sorry Christian if that's the case. But a lot of people have personal devotions and they don't go to church. Well, the problem with that is now nobody's encouraging you and you're not encouraging anybody. And we see here in this passage, you know, it says to do it so much the more as you see the day approaching. Yeah, and then people that want to make the argument they only had church once back then, okay, fine. They only had church once. I've seen verse where it says daily, you know, they get together. But at the same time, the Bible says we're supposed to do it so much the more as you see the day approaching. Less church, it sets us up for failure in these last days. You know, and nowadays too, with these churches canceling church for everything. Okay, I mean that that is that's setting people up for failure. The Bible says we've got to do it more. Our generation today, it's more ignorant of the scriptures than it's ever been before. Boy, I mean, you want to know how just ignorant people are of the scriptures? Go watch the American Bible Challenge on TV. We've been watching that. They ask the easiest questions in the world on there, and people can't get them. I mean, it's just ridiculous how little people people know. I want to go on. I'd like to go on that show. I got I got a good mind to go on there. And just show them how it's done. You know, they had a bunch of nuns on there, I guess, that won the other day, and they didn't even do that good. You know, nuns. You know, they're supposed to be all about. Even they weren't that good. Not that impressive. They beat all the other sorry Christians that were out there. But we are ignorant of the scriptures. Why? Well, we don't have personal devotions. But what? Less church. Don't have time. Oh, we don't have time to you know to go to Sunday school and learn the Bible stories. 
And you know, man, these those things are so important. You know, those are foundational things that we learn that help us understand a lot of other things about the Bible. You know, Wednesday night Bible study. I mean, and you know, I, this is just something. This is extra here. This is bonus. This just this fries my gizzard. But and I, I saw this when I was at my dad's church. I've seen it here. It's amazing how many people come to church one hour a week. Okay. One hour a week is all you'll ever get out of these people. And you know what? Most of these people don't turn out the best kids. Their kids usually aren't that interested in godliness and being good Christians. And then these people get mad at the pastor because their kids didn't turn out that good. And it's like, really? Do you think I'm that good of a preacher that my one 45-minute message a week was going to undo the hours and hours of television your kid watched, the hours and hours of indoctrination that they got in the public school, you know, the hours or the you know the lifetime of hypocrisy that you all lived in your home. You think my one 45-minute message a week is going to change all of that? You're crazy. That's not going to change it. As this world gets more wicked, if you think it can get done, you know, I can't do it. I'll just admit it right now. Maybe if Jesus came and preached a 45 minute message every week himself, it would do a little bit better. But you know what? It's not going to happen. I mean, you know what? You might as well go spend that 45 minutes, you know, shooting pool in the pool hall. I mean, it's just not going to do you, it's not going to do you any good. We need more of it. We need more come together. We need more fellowship. We need more encouraging of one another. Not less. We are more ignorant of the Scriptures than ever ever before. And this is the thing too. This is another reality of what's going on in the world today. I don't think a lot of preachers realize. A lot of preachers today, they are very well versed in how they're supposed to operate as far as behavior goes, the type of music, just style of service, all that. But doctrinally, they're very weak. They don't know the Scriptures very well at all. I mean, not at all. And the problem with that is, you know, for the last 2,000 years, it was pretty easy to keep the false prophets and the wolves out of the way. If that you know, when a, when a false prophet or a wolf would come along, they'd come into the assembly, they'd come into the church, and they would try spreading their heresies. And you always had people in the church that could spot those wolves and call them out for what they were and get rid of them. And we've had some of them goofballs that have come through here before, and you know, you can tell they've got an agenda. And you know what? You know, they don't stick around here very long. They don't. And and but today, okay, if they want to reach you. They do it through the internet. And we've got all kinds of guys out there. I mean, slick guys, smart guys that know a lot of Bible, that are wolves in sheep's clothing, that have, you know, these YouTube ministries and stuff, and they are out there and they are infiltrating churches through the internet. And preachers don't realize it, but they've got people in their church that will spend hours a week at home on their computers listening to these false prophets. And getting think questions in their mind, confusing them doctrinally, and the people in the church are, you know, they're a lot of times scared to ask the pastor any question because he can't handle anybody disagreeing with them at all. And but these people, their their minds are getting twisted and corrupted. And I'm telling you, with 
things like the internet out there. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all, you know, I'm banning all of you from YouTube. I'm banning all of you from the internet because there's too much wicked there. First of all, I don't really have the authority to do that. Second of all, you're not going to listen to me. Okay? And so, since I know what's going to happen, okay, I need to make sure I prepare you the best I can, that I teach you the scriptures the best I can. I got to make sure I know what I'm talking about. So if you come to me with a question, I'm ready to give an answer. And preachers today, they are not prepared to deal with the false prophets and a lot of this false doctrine. And they are they are themselves are very weak scripturally, and it's getting people in trouble. And less church will not help that one bit. Less church is not going to do the trick. We need more church, if anything. Our generation is more carnal. It's more worldly than ever before. I said, you're a bad guy now if you have Christmas on Sunday. You're a bad guy. You're a bad guy if you have, you know, church. If you have, or if not, if you have Christmas. If you have church on Christmas, you're a bad guy if you have church on Easter. You know, you can't have church on Easter. How are the kids supposed? You know, they got to go to the town Easter egg hunt. And so they can go and try to collect all the Easter eggs and all the parents can get in a fight because one of the kids are taking too many Easter eggs. That happens all the time. Dude, I mean, just, I mean, so stinking carnal. You know, how dare you have church on Super Bowl Sunday? And some churches, they cancel, there's some places they cancel church during the summer because nobody comes. Everybody's on vacation and, you know, just absolutely ridiculous. And that, that's our, that's our generation. People, preachers don't want to admit it that their churches and that their members are just stinking, carnal, and worldly. And proof of that, hey, proof of that, and this is the reality that people don't, this is why, this is why almost everybody's canceling their Sunday night services, especially on Christmas. This is why. They do not want to face the reality of just how carnal the people in their church are. They don't want to deal with the disappointment of seeing how many people don't show up. Because deep down inside, they hate to knock people out of their fantasy world, the only reason people are going to that church is not because of the preaching of the Word of God. It's because they got a great program in that church. Their kids have a lot of fun. You know, they, they do cool things. You know, they have Santa Claus. You know, they, that church has good coffee. You know, they have, you know, they have all these wonderful things that are just a whole lot of fun. And, Around the holidays, a lot of times the people who run a lot of those programs, maybe they're going to be going and visiting family or something, and so they usually shut the programs down. And you know what? That's fine. If you want to cancel your fun stuff that day, you know, but still have church, that's fine. But when they're not having fun stuff, the people aren't coming. And you know what? I just, you know, I've gotten so fed up with this. I told my wife, you know, I'm for programs, I'm for doing fun stuff sometimes, but you know what? I refuse to run a Christian community fund center. I refuse to do it. You know what? If you want good coffee, go to the what is it? What's it called? Beans and Books. Yeah, go to go to Beans and Books over in Sterling. They got great coffee there. All right, go there. That's you can go and do all of that there. If you want to get entertained, we've got two movie theaters in Sterling. You know, go to those places and watch all the filth that you want to watch. You know, if you want to just have fun, you know, go join up with some of these sports programs that are in town. You know, stay home, watch a football game. We are not going to be a community fun center here. That's not what this is about. We do things that are fun sometimes, but you know, 
I've gotten to where I don't even want to advertise a lot of those things because I just kind of get ticked off at all the people that come out of the woodwork that you can't get to come for a church service to save your life, but they'll come if you stuff their faces with something. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I remember one thing that was pretty discouraging. I'm just going to admit, I was discouraged one day. It was when we had the food pantry. And it was one of the weekends when it was really, really cold. And I remember it was Saturday morning. You know, the people get here so early. You know, I, I had to lock the doors till 10 o'clock. We had to start locking the doors. I told people, I'm not, I, I, I told them that last month, we will not be opening the doors until 10 o'clock. They were all getting here too early, and I'm trying to study and stuff, and I just didn't feel like dealing with them. And so, at, ten, at like 9.55, I walked out of my office to go see if anybody was there, and it was like below zero. And there was a huge line of people waiting to get in. They didn't even wait in their cars. They're waiting right outside the door, standing there in the freezing cold. One guy showed up in his scooter. He drove all the way over here from the high rise in his scooter, sitting out there in the cold for a box of food. Okay? Now, if I'd have been, you know, your typical Twitter pastor, I'd have taken a picture of that and I'd have waited till the next day to post it. Look at people just waiting, lining up to get in our church. <laughs> you know, I mean, but you know what? If you offer people stuff, they'll come. If you entertain them enough, they'll come. But you know what? If you just do what the Bible tells us to do for church, a lot of times they won't come. They're not that interested. And then, that same people, all of them, you know, almost all of them elderly or crippled or sick that was out there waiting in line below zero weather, and then the next Sunday morning... We had a lot of people gone because it was just too cold. You know, it was just it was too bad of a day to be out. You know, driving in their heated cars when you know the day before people could get here in their scooters driving the, in the elements. And I'm just like, I had I had to accept the reality that you know what, Christians are stinking carnal, <laughs> and people don't want to admit that. And so you know what, instead of facing the reality and seeing half my church gone or even more when we're not doing the fun stuff, let's just cancel it and then I don't have to look at reality. But you know what? Sometimes you got to see reality. You know what? Sometimes you got to step on the scale and look and see what it says. Sometimes you got to go to the doctor and tell him, give me the truth. What does the test say? You got to find out. That way you can know how to deal with it and you know what? People are afraid, they're afraid to see it. They're afraid to see how many of their people are going to skip church on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, and you know what I hate the most too? And I hate this too. It's not facing the reality of what people are going to do, but it's listening to the excuses. Boy, it's amazing how the flu goes around on Super Bowl Sunday. It's incredible. I mean, that bug, it times itself perfectly. Every year. I've known some people too. My dad used to harp on that. We'd have people at Lighthouse. Maybe there is really a bug that goes around that time of year. I mean, they would come, you could tell they were sick. And they showed up anyway. Nobody wanted to miss church sick on Super Bowl Sunday because nobody would believe them. You know why? Because there was a bunch of people over there that were phony and that were always conveniently sick on those times. And you know, and, and if, if you, our bodies, we are so wicked, we are so carnal, we are so sinful. I literally believe that when you really don't want to be here, your body will let itself get sick. I really do. And so you know what? 
just man, don't don't make me lie to other people or that you know. Don't just. I'd rather hear you just say, man, I I can't miss this game. I, I you know I, I'm just. We all know it. So you know don't you know insult me you know by by lying and making and making up excuses. It just. It's going to get me in a bad mood. One of these days, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to preach a message I'm going to regret. And and you know we we don't want to do that, but we are. We just got to admit it. We're carnal. We're worldly. Sometimes, I mean, our our bodies are. We just don't want to do things. You know, and so you know, our generation today, it's more susceptible to you know the false doctrine. Talking about that, you know, deception. We've got to have more church. If anything, our generation today, I believe, it's more discouraged. And weary, even though we have very little persecution. Think about, I mean, we're not being persecuted like they were in the Bible days. We're not being persecuted like they were in other parts of the country. But yet, look at how discouraged and weary people are in churches today. You know why? Because, you know, this might sound terrible. Now, I don't wish for this. But you know what? If you weren't in church because. You got beat up because you were a Christian or something. You know what? That's going to motivate everybody else to be more faithful. We're going to be praying harder for you. It's that persecution draws people closer to God. But when you're not here because of a ball game or because of Santa Claus or something like that, your Santa Claus traditions, that discourages everybody. That that weakens the believers. And I believe today we are we are weaker than ever. People get bent out of shape. They're getting out of church because somebody said something that didn't make them feel good. And I I believe that we are we are we are just so weak today because of that lack of persecution. And we're not we're not being encouraged. We're not being exhorted. And you do that amongst the believers. And so you know and said so we. You know, I put my messages online. Some people listen to those. Great. But you know what? I don't get any encouragement from that. You know, I'm encouraged when people show up. I don't know who's watching those, you know, those things. I have no idea. And the truth is, you know, I'd rather everybody see it here live. Sometimes you can't be here. That's fine. But you know, you're not, you're not encouraging me or anybody else by listening to my sermon online. And you're not encouraging other Christians. It's 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 not the same thing. It's nice to be able to do that when you need to. You know, sometimes maybe y'all need to hear the message twice, and so you know you can go do it again. But but you need to hear. We need. I need you to do it here. You know, if everybody doesn't show up, I might get in a really bad mood, and then I'm going to preach to my family, and I'm really going to let them have it, and then they're all going to have a terrible day. You know, <laughs> you know, don't do that. Don't don't do that to me. Don't tempt. You know, I don't want to be tempted like that. But uh, you know, but. We've got to understand that this, you know, service in the church, it will help keep you from becoming selfish. John chapter thirteen. Look at what it says in John chapter thirteen. We are we, you know, last last week, the week before, week before last, talked about narcissism. We have a very narcissistic generation. It's all about me. It's all about myself. But you know, John thirteen verse twelve. Because this is what you know people do. Oh, you know, I can't go to church. Go, my family, my family, family, family. You know, you can't say anything against family. Family is the most important thing. Family is the most wonderful thing. Well, according to the Bible, God's more important than family. Okay, 
And God will never tell you to neglect your family or keep something good from your family. Okay, He, he will never do that. But people think family trumps everything else. How dare you say anything against my family? It's amazing too, you know, the things that, you know, I can't take food from my kid's mouth and put it in the offering. Well, you know what? Maybe that's why we've got so much childhood obesity today because your kids are eating the tithe. You know, and, you know, don't, don't give those excuses. You know, your kid's a spoiled brat and it wants, you know, M&M's instead of cereal, you know, for their breakfast. You know, they have to fill up a bowl and, you know, of M&M's and milk. I mean, they, they want all that sugar, that junk. You know, they want to drink soda instead of water and I gotta give my kids the best of everything. And so, you know, you do, you literally, you feed them the tithe, you give them all that, you give them all that junk and it's wrong. It's out of, it's getting out of control. But you're not, you're not being noble when you do that. John 13 verse 12. So after, um, oh, that's not the one I wanted. Oh yeah, it is. After he had washed their feet and had taken their garments, uh, his garments and was set down again. He said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you that the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You all see that? You want to know what will actually make you happy? Serving other people. Well, what are you doing when you put Santa Claus above the things of God? You're helping yourself. And these things don't make people happy. When people are, you know, holding back their tithes and offerings for themselves, they're thinking about themselves, and you're not happy when you do those things. I could, I could go through so many different scriptures, you know, it, uh, that teach this principle. You know, the Bible says, "Whosoever will save his life will lose it, and whosoever will lose his life." For my sake, shall find it. That's what the Bible teaches, and everybody's trying to grab everything they can for themselves or their families. And these same people lose their families. You know, I've, what I've noticed in my life: the most family-oriented people in the world usually turn out sorry kids that don't want to have anything to do with their parents when they grow up. And people who are all about serving the Lord can't get rid of their kids. <laughs> and it, that's just how it works. Just like the Bible says, you want to save your life, lose it. So you know what? I'm not hanging on to my Lord. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to do what you said to do, and the Lord's going to give it back. But if you're going to try to hold on to it for yourself, you're going to lose it. And being and being involved in a church, that's something that will help give you meaning in your life. If you go over to Haggai. Chapter one. I'm not going to take time to read all of it, but in Haggai chapter one, we see where they were supposed to be rebuilding the house of the Lord, and they had neglected it. They had held back their offerings. They weren't doing the work. They had done a good job taking care of their houses. Their houses were okay. Their houses were fine, but the house of the Lord lied waste. The work of God was not being done. They were all doing fine, but the work of the Lord wasn't was not being done. And God said. You know, you, your money that you get, he said, you've reaped much and you've gathered, or you've sown much and you've gathered little. When they bring it, he's like, I did blow upon it. He said, you've put your money into a bag with holes in it. Why was that? Because they were selfish. It was all about them. They put them first. They put their families first instead of the work of the Lord first. And as a result, God did not let them enjoy what they had. And they had 
a lot. They had what they wanted. They had what they needed. They had the things they were working for, but they didn't enjoy it. And that's where Americans are today. I mean, we've got plenty in this country, but we don't enjoy it. I mean, we're, we're a very prosperous country, but we're a very miserable, drugged up, medicated country. Why? Because people, they have no meaning in their life. If your life is all about you, you're not going to be a happy person. The Bible clearly teaches that you need to get involved in the things of God. And church, it gives you something that's bigger than yourself. Hey, this isn't just about me. Yeah, I feel like staying home today and worshiping Santa Claus more than worshiping Jesus, but you know what? There's people in my church that need me. There's people in my church that need encouraged, and I want to be there. I want to help them. You know what? Nobody's going to get witness to. Nobody's going to get the gospel at my house this morning. Nobody in my house is going to hear the plan of salvation that's lost and that needs to hear it. But you know what? In my church, they're going to be preaching. There may be some lost folks there. There might be visitors there. And I want to be there to help with that. I want to be there to encourage that. I want to motivate my pastor. I want to motivate other Christians. I want to do something in my life that has meaning, that really matters. And you get that when you're in church. People's excuses for less church today, they're nothing more than lies that they've just, they bought into from the devil. Matthew 6, I mentioned Matthew 16, 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We see that, you know, the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's a lot of things in this world you can get, but they don't equal to the value of a soul. Not even close. And But the devil, he lies and he tells you, you've got to have these things. You've got to do this. You're, you know, you've got to do the whole Santa Claus thing like everybody else in America is doing. Otherwise, your kids are going to feel left out. There's people out there saying that preachers' kids are losing the, you know, leaving the ministry because Christmas took away, or you know, church took away their Christmases growing up. I say those preachers' kids were a bunch of losers. If that's kids, I was a preacher's kid. We did all the church stuff around Christmas, and you know what? It didn't hurt me one bit. I think it did me good. I'm thankful for it. I enjoy it. I love it, but people do. You know, we're taught to be. It's popular to be a victim today. Everybody wants to be a victim. Victim and kids who grew up in pastors' homes, they were very blessed to grow up in a pastor's home. They were very blessed to be closely involved in the ministry. But everybody wants to be a victim. So you know what they've they've made being in the ministry, you know, a a crisis, this terrible thing, and it's not. These people are just losers. They don't have anything to be sad about, so they have to make things up. You know, and they and they literally take blessings and try to call them curses. It's absolutely ridiculous. Proverbs thirteen seven says, "There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches." What the world is doing, being all about themselves and selfish, it is not working, and it never never has, it never will. And so what is it that you're gonna that you are doing instead of church that's helping advance the gospel? You know, Mark chapter eight and verse thirty four says, When he called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. In that passage he threw it in there, and the gospels. People, they will say, no, I'm doing these things for God. 
I'm taking care of my family for God. I'm serving God by doing this. I'm serving God by doing that. Well, what's it doing to advance the Gospel? If it's not advancing the Gospel, then it's not for Christ. And what in the world is out there that's more about doing a better job of advancing the Gospel than the church? There is nothing. And if there is something else, it's not from God. God started, you know, Jesus Christ, He started the church and we need it more than ever. And shame on pastors who are letting backslidden carnal church members intimidate them into less church. That, that's a shame. And the reason they're giving up, doing the right thing, it's because it's, you know, when it's inconvenient and unpopular to have church, that's when it's going to reveal what kind of church you really have. When the fun stuff goes away, that's when you get to see the real thing. And we don't always want to see it. It's not always really pretty. And I believe, you know, I believe a lot of these people, they're afraid of finding out the truth and so they just live in denial through accommodation. Let's help them out. It's for the family. You go ahead. You skip church. Go watch the Super Bowl with your family. God understands. God would be okay with that. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. You know what? We see when Jesus came to this world, there was no room for Him in the end. And it seems today like we're there's no room for Him in the church. No room for Jesus again. What a shame. You know what? In my life, in your life, in this church, He needs to be the preeminent one. And all things... He might have the preeminence. I'm sorry, Jesus comes before Santa Claus every time. Jesus comes before Easter Bunny every time. Jesus comes before me, comes before my family, comes before carnal Christians. Jesus comes before my fantasy world that I get into. I don't care if I have to see the real thing and it's not pretty. He comes first. We're making room for Jesus here. Even if we have to kick some people out. If I was that innkeeper, I'd have kicked somebody out of their room and said, we're letting the Lord in here. I'd have given them my room if that was the case. And you know what? If we get to the point where we're so busy doing all the carnal junk around here, we don't have room for Jesus, i say, let's, let's kick us out and make room for Him. He is the one that's most important. So, With that, let's all stand together.